All right. Should we uh, talk some Predator then? Talk some good news? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was kind of a downer. <laughs> oh, no. It's okay. Just right, talking to other adults about the situation. Yeah. I think it helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, set some traps. Traps. It's a trap. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today on Predator Minute, we're talking Minute 83, and I have to give a special shout out to a player who wore number 83 in the National Football League, someone named Ted Hendricks, who went by the nickname The Mad Stork. <laughs> <laughs> Over his 15-year career with the Colts, Packers, and Raiders, it was a tall order for any offense to contain six-foot-seven-inch Ted Hendricks. The player known as the Mad Stork and kick him in the head Ted could seemingly do anything. <laughs> I, watched, I watched a short little video, and he's a Hall of Fame player. They said he's like the, the the NFL films did some top 100 players in football and he was number 82, which is wow. crazy outside yeah. linebacker outside linebacker won four Super Bowls. He blocked 25 field goals in his career. That 25. <laughs> is fucking insane. How do you block 25 field goals? That is wild. Holy cow. It, it kind of ties into the second person I'll talk about here, Mac Percival. Mac. 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 Percival. He was a kicker in, off the top of my head, is maybe like the 60s or the 70s. But I was looking at his numbers. He was a kicker for like eight or nine years, and he had something like barely above a 50% completion rate. How do you make, how do you keep his job? I think, well, here's, I think, and this is all just me going off the top of my dome. I'm thinking the kicking game was not that strong of an element of football yeah. back in the day. I, th- I think it yeah, was. Yeah, put those two things together. You're right. Yeah. Like, so like maybe it was a lot sloppier how they, you know, had uh, kick protection. And so someone like the Mad Stork would fly in, block <laughs> Mac Percival from Mac. Mac. trying to kick a field goal. Maybe the rules on blocking field goals was... More like, well, like for a long time, you could just clobber the kicker if you wanted to, right? So, oh, yeah, maybe totally. there's that. You don't have to try to block but not hit the kicker. You could just launch yourself at the guy. Or like a Cam Chancellor rule, right? Like you couldn't yeah. straight up jump over the lineman anymore. Maybe that was something more uh, allowed. Yeah. All right. Ted Hendricks. I'm going to look him up when we're done. I want to see some footage of these blocked field goals if I can possibly find it. I there, In the little video I watched, there is one clip where he's blocking a field goal and it's Part of it is that he was six foot seven. Oh, days, and like he's just this monster, just jumping all around. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah, here, here's Mac Percival. Mac. I brought up his football reference. I know it's like fascinating stuff. He played, yeah, sixty-seven to seventy-four, uh, and I think that actually overlaps with, or maybe the deal is Mac Percival's <laughs> field goals were always blocked by the Mad Stork. He's like, God, these <laughs> goddamn. Field goal blockers. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, his his overall was 101 field goals made in 190 attempts. So it's 53. <laughs> if he played now, he would last like one season, half a season, and just right. be like cut. Or he'd be um, the Bears kicker. But don't. 
Did you see any uh, in your extensive research? Did you find any uh, reason as to why his nickname was the Mad Stork? Was it just he was so tall with like long, lanky legs? Uh, I didn't see any reason why he was named that. Um, the one fun fact that kept bringing up in this like five minute highlight video was the fact that he loved buying and wearing masks, just like, <laughs> like just silly, like kind of Halloween masks or uh, Mardi Gras masks. I- There's a Renaissance fair every year in California and I like to collect a mask every year. I'll wear them driving down the street in the car. You know, like people just have these fun personalities. So he was, he was quite the discovery. Someone I'd never heard about, but who's considered like one of the greatest players of all time. Crazy. defensively. Yeah. All right. Mad Stork, Ted Hendricks. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers to you, Ted Hendricks. <clears throat> so we're talking, obviously, minute 83. <laughs> long digression of Predator. Minute 83 opens with Dutch setting a trap, and it ends with the Predator blasting a gooey skull with some gas. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, yeah. So we're we're still getting Arnold here in, in Home Alone, Kevin McAllister mode. Well, like Proto, right? He was yeah. just a few years before Kevin McAllister. That's true. So maybe Kevin McAllister was in Dutch mode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little mini Dutch. Yeah, a little mini Dutch. And uh, yeah, we got some good stuff to talk about here because we've got a, a trap being laid. And then we have a real nice uh, kind of gory sequence uh, mm-hmm. that we should discuss here coming up. So should I jump right into the first part? Yeah, please take it from the top. I was just writing down a little note so I didn't forget to talk about it. As always, we carry over from last minute. Dutch is anchoring vines to the bottom of the ditch. Uh, underneath the trap we saw him laying last minute, uh, staking care of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we then cut to Dutch pulling on a vine, which in turn is lifting up a huge log up into the trees. We got to talk about this thing. That thing must be so fucking heavy. Yeah. Um, cut to uh, come back to Dutch. That's setting the. It's the treadle, mm-hmm. the treadle trap, the little the trigger the stick that he kind of wedges into the notch of a log that uh, will eventually spring this trap and that brings us to second 39 yeah and let's might as well jump into the whole function of this trap because Mm -hmm. that was my big question last minute was how does this trap work what what are your thoughts on it did you have any revelations or ideas about how this now that we see it all complete uh how this trap works so i'm curious to hear your thoughts on the trap because in what i'm thinking that i have always thought if that makes sense is that I think in my mind, I always thought that these two were two separate traps, that the the giant log up above was one thing, and then the the stakes, the staking care of business was another <laughs> thing. But are these two setups working together? I'm pretty sure they're right two pieces of the same trap. I think, like you're saying, he's setting the treadle in this incredibly long, drawn-out uh, oneer, which is just kind of out of nowhere and really surprises me. It's about uh, what uh, would I say an eleven second oneer where he's just fitting the treadle into this little notch under uh, staking care of business, where he has hauled the log up and he's somehow anchoring the log's trigger yeah. uh, into this little notch under the trap. Uh, sure. What I what I take that to be, and I noticed that he lined the bottom of the r- little ravine, we'll call it, mm-hmm. uh, with the um, collection of vines or ropes or what have you. 
I think those vines, and I have two theories here. I believe those vines are somehow connected to the treadle so that um, when the treadle is triggered and it flies up, I think that that little trip stick, that little trigger is supposed to also be connected to those vines. So whatever's under there and, tr- and triggers it is kind of yanked up also in those vines. Mm. It's, it's kind of hard because when, when, when I'm looking at the wonder, it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like it's just kind of its own thing. But I'm yeah. thinking maybe if something <clears throat> triggers it, then maybe that counterweight log up top is going to fall down and it's going to pull whatever's under the staking care business up into those spikes. Oh, kind of like a, almost like another snare trap that they're making. Yeah. But that's just like a very short journey right into the stakes. Just like not messing around anymore with like just a a plain net for anyone out there. That's like yelling uh, at the podcast right now because they feel like they have a better understanding of all this. uh, Know that, uh, so I've I've made a commitment that for the last for the rest of this podcast for the rest of our episodes mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk to watch ahead. Okay. And I've seen this movie uh, you know a number of times but uh been a while since been I've while. been a while since I've watched like the last 30 minutes of it to be honest and like I know how it ultimately ends but there's a lot of details that I have sort of forgotten and I'm going to try to keep it that way just to uh, so I feel fresh for every minute. That's why I'm sitting here trying to piece together how these things are related and if they are, and I because I can't quite remember how the events play out uh, later on in the film. So, if, if uh, I anyone, mean, in my opinion, the film doesn't answer that at all. Okay, it's, maybe it's that's just, why I don't remember. Right. <laughs> I think I talked about it last minute, but it's kind of like the anti-Chekhov's trap where you see, yeah, you think it's going to happen, but it it doesn't happen. I, I think my other thought here was that. Maybe part two of the trap is that it springs a thing. It springs the log above and that crashes down on the spikes and crushes the spikes into the predator if it's under mm. those spikes. Mm. But if that's the <laughs> if that's the case, I'm, I'm curious, why is he laying all these extra vines? Yeah. When I was a kid, I always thought that these were two different traps. The, the giant log in this tripwire was just like a smashing trap, like to try to get the predator underneath it and then you kick the stick and then try to get the log to land on it. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the, the spiky one was a, was a different trap. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So I think, I think you're right. Um, that it's all interconnected, but it's not real clear. Yeah. It's not clear. There's no internal monologue that Dutch is having. And, um, like I talked about last minute, this, is something that John McTiernan added. He added this little trap scene, this little trap setup. There's no extra Dutch trap in the script. Mm. Right. It goes from him landing in the river, being protected by the mud from the predator vision, going right into him making his bow and arrow out of yeah. raw supplies. Now, when I was younger, I always just accepted the fact that Arnold was superhuman in this movie. Right. And that he is able to do all of this, while not eating any food or drinking any water. Right. And he's able to fashion together an intricate collection of vines and knots and sticks with no tools that I can see anywhere. He, uh, he did have that like kind of knife. I don't He's I got the like knife, right. Leftover hip knife, but that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> and he's also able has enough energy left at the end of the day to 
pulley up a gigantic log that's got mm-hmm. away. God, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Thirty hundreds, pounds. hundreds, a thousand. <laughs> Probably, pounds? Yeah, I, that's a. He's using a pulley system. I'm thinking with with his muscles. I'm thinking that's at least a couple hundred pounds. Couple, oh, at least couple yeah. Bills, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, <laughs> in hindsight, watching this now, it's you. You're watching a movie about an alien that's uh, <laughs> that's hunting our our main character. So I guess you let these things go. But uh, right. the, the the quickness and the and the the quickness that he's able to get all this stuff together and uh, how easily it all sort of fits together for him is uh, a little ridiculous. <laughs> I think he's a master at improv. We saw it with him picking up the Jeep, the Willie's Jeep, to attack the camp. That's true. Just yeah. kind of made it up, and Dylan's like, "What? what is he doing? And Blaine is going, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> we, we see it when he when they're building the trap earlier, the little snare trap that right, didn't do much other than hurt Ponchito. <laughs> Man, that would have been awesome if he, if, if he found a Willie's Jeep now. <laughs> Willie's Jeep's trap. <laughs> Just strap the C4 to it. Yeah. Right. Create like a little bait for the predator. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is going to be kind of a continuing thing. I asked, uh, I saw a video on YouTube of this, you know, this scene, and I had to ask and still haven't heard back yet. So I'm hoping there. And I just put out the word to the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. So if you listeners have some idea of how this trap works, please. Hop on there. I mean, yeah. it's a live show. I could call you out right now. Like, hey, Give us your theories. Me. We're curious. Yeah. Yeah. The, what does the zeitgeist think out there? Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, it's basically an anti-Chekhov's deal. You, you, you see it all set up, put all this effort into it. They're putting a lot of screen time. Talk about a good full minute of this quick-paced movie into this trap. What can it mean? Hmm. How does it work? I don't know. Um, I think the, the, the last thing I had here from this uh, from this first part is oh one you see the waterfall in the background which is cool because that oh, has yeah. to be the what the 100 foot waterfall yeah, yeah. jump off of which is crazy to think about that it's like what a cool awesome set they found right not even that they built but a set they just found in the jungle in the woods and they said okay we can we can do this here and I, I mean, it looks real enough where it doesn't look like they just superimpose the waterfall in the background. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a neat shot to see that in the background. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other part, the last thing I'll leave off at, at about the twenty-two second mark to the twenty-four second mark, you do see Dutch pulling the rope towards himself as he's looking up, like basically where the camera is, and to me. That just doesn't look like Arnold. It looks like one of his stunt doubles. I don't know if you looked at that enough, but like maybe it's just a face you never see Arnold making ever in a movie. Hmm. But it just doesn't really look like him to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I I, I think it looks like him enough. I, I guess my reasoning would be, uh, why would they need to use a stunt double right there? <laughs> yeah, I wonder that too. I don't I can't <laughs> imagine just all of a sudden like needing... Right, a stunt double for something that is probably not that physical of a scene. He's probably pulling something down a little bit, but it's he does look a little different there with his facial expressions and all the dirt on his face. But I think that's just all we're seeing. I, yeah. I, I I'm going to go on record. I think that's Arnold, right? There. Okay, 
Yeah. It seems like such a weird cut if that's the stuntman. Okay, most likely that's not the stuntman, but that would be hilarious. There's just, oh, crap, we forgot to cover Rob's face or something right. like that. It'd be a strange why, choice. <laughs> why is this in here? Yeah. So All right. you want to take us to the uh, second part here? Yeah, let's jump on into the second part. So this will take us from about second 39 to the end of the minute. Uh, we cut to Billy. Oh, Billy, Billy. is back, but Billy is not alive. And his his body just bodies. Just bodies. His, just bodies. Body just it's an abrupt cut from Arnold to this shot of his of Billy's face and body just slamming into this tree trunk mm-hmm. from a perspective from down below. And he's pale and bloody, dead body, and uh, and he's kind of facing the camera. And then you see the predator's hand come down, and we see sort of his the gun that's on his forearm, and his claws extend and starts digging into Billy's Ugh. back or neck area, and uh, digs around for something, and then starts to remove something from the body and pulls up. And then we cut to a wide shot, and we see the predator is actually way up high in the trees. Billy is laid out on a tree branch, and he pulls up, or holds up in, in the sky in a very sort of trophy-esque manner. Uh, what I can only assume is the skull attached to the spinal column <laughs> and kind of sh- throws it up in the air and waves it around for a minute. And then just very casually kicks Billy's body off that tree trunk or off that tree limb. And, and his body just falls to the ground. And then we see a close-up of the skull being slammed down. And the predator starts spraying some sort of gas or chemical on it. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah, I had to imagine this was your favorite part of the minute, especially the <laughs> sound design here. Because that sound design is just... It's gross. It's gnarly. It's something out of like a horror movie. It's great. It is a it is a horror sequence. But I'm a pretty hardened horror fan, and I was I, I kind of winced when I saw this, and I was like, "Oh, that is gnarly." And I was telling you before we started recording that I had completely forgotten about this little sequence. Yeah, and it and it totally took me by surprise, and. It's a funny thing about this movie, how it's it's a lot of times an action movie and has horror elements, but it is definitely punctuated with some very graphic violence. Yeah. But, but it all doesn't happen close together, and it definitely it happens when you're kind of not expecting it. And this is another one of those cases where, I mean, this is this is like this is straight up Mortal Kombat style, like yes, ripping that spinal column out with the skull attached and waving it in the air like a hunter's trophy, and then kicks the body off of the tree branch like oh my god (laughs) yeah it's it's oh it is it is crazy gnarly just like you said graphic it's uh the one thing uh john mctiernan or it's it's as close to the original script showing the predator's ship and the trophies in the ship as john Mm. mctiernan wanted to be and the original script (laughs) Uh, we, the audience, see before Dutch sees it, um, this spaceship is just littered with skins hanging and drying and scalps, skulls and bones. Uh, and John McTiernan, to quote him, says, uh, that's just yucky. And he didn't want <laughs> to go there. He uh, he probably thought maybe it would hurt the rating possibly, but I think he sees himself more as an artist and maybe that's not artistic enough for him yeah 
but mm. still, this is just so gnarly. Like you said, a fatality. That's what I named my uh, my track here on Zencaster today was fatality because there have been several fatalities where you just you know pull bones or a spinal cord out of somebody, and I, I think what I don't know. Even more brutal is like this is Billy's dead body, and it's yeah. <laughs> Just desecrating it to the maximum. Fatality. Well, and if we weren't sure before, we absolutely know now that the Predator is 100% just a trophy hunter. Yeah. No interest in the meat of this human body. Does not care about the organs or the science. Going Like, he's not taking samples of any sort in a scientific way. Uh, He's really just ripping out the spinal column with the skull and waving it in the air like a hunter who's going to put a deer's head on his wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's brutal. He's just, uh, emotionless in his killing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the, yeah. Like I said, the sound design just also brutal. So may- maybe the fact that he's pulling this skull and the spinal cord or spinal column out of Billy's body tells us that, uh, he saw Billy as a worthy foe as someone worthy of collecting. Mm-hmm. So I-, I have to wonder, do you think he kept, skulls or trophies without looking ahead of, of other team members or hoppers men yeah um probably i i mean if 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 he is truly like a intergalactic trophy hunter the goal would be to come back with as many trophies as possible right to show off to your buddies or or whatever is the right is the motivation so i have to believe yes that he's collecting as many as he can just as a side note, I just listened to the sound design on that sequence again, and you're right. It it, it sounds like 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 a butcher just like deboning a Ugh. like a baby back ribs or something, <laughs> you know, all at once. Just <laughs> just like <laughs> oh man, yeah. it's pretty great. Oh. It's pretty great. <laughs> well, okay, so let, let's go down the list real quick. So okay, uh, I think for Dylan, 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 Dylan. Uh, he probably kept the right arm. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that bicep and the trigger finger. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Mac. 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 I think he kept the skull because it's like such an awesome headshot he pulled on him. Yeah. And like Mac's got a good skull. Yeah. Mac has a beautiful skull. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I'd keep Mac's skull. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'd keep Mac's skull. <laughs> Uh, Hawkins, I think Hawkins, he would keep the glasses because we don't see the glasses on Hawkins' sure. body after it's been gutted. And yeah. Do you think, I mean, this is sad to say for Hawkins, but do you think he just discarded that body like a, like a, you catch a fish that's too small, just throw it back into the river? Mm. Mm. That's a good question because Hawkins' body definitely looked like drained of blood in that scene. And that's yeah. exactly what Billy's body looks here. It looks bloodied, but it looks pale as if he did mm-hmm. the whole gutting and hanging yeah yeah so i don't know regardless i think he just kept hawkins yeah he just like kind of left them hanging and just like right yeah whatever i got i got that guy's glasses he like tries on the glasses a little bit like <laughs> the spaceship later right <laughs> looks like make mirror. Me look smart. <laughs> uh i don't know what do you think he kept from blaine mm, that mtv t-shirt Shit. oh, oh. So that it's more keep. like m it's more like mov now hey hey <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about Ponchito? Oh, poor Poncho. Yeah. Mm. I bet, I bet he kept his skull. Poncho was a good looking guy. He had a nice asymmetrical, uh, head and frame and face. I, I bet he kept that skull as a prime trophy. And that skull would have a blast in the side of it. 
So he'd be, yeah. he'd be kind of proud of that one. Like, look, I, I caught this guy way off guard. He wasn't even looking at me. Like, right. I'm so cheap. <laughs> I'm such a cheater at hunting that <laughs> I kill people that are looking away. So is that everybody? That's uh, yeah, Billy we yeah. know. Yeah. Mac and Dylan. Mac. Dylan. Back, Dylan, uh, and Blaine, and Hawkins. I have to count this every time because he kills six people, right? Yeah, right. I think Hawkins, yeah. then Blaine, and then Mac, and then Dylan, and then Mac. Billy, then Punch. Back, Dylan. Okay. Mac <laughs> and then Dylan. Back, Dylan. Okay, cool. Um, gosh, anything else? Um, I. I think the the skull and spine combo that he pulls out and holds high in the air is a is another kind of floaty dreamlike shot. I'm sure here it's it's helped by yeah. some kind of prop, like prop in a prop um, or something, some device in the prop to kind of hold it up because he holds up the spinal column and the skull at the end of the spinal column, almost like a morning star, like a weapon, like mm, a chain yeah. with a spiky ball at the end. And as he holds it up, it just kind of like suspends in the air that skull does. It doesn't just kind of naturally come back down. And yeah, uh, I always noticed that. And I just, yeah, wondered maybe that is that part of the set design that it was made in such a way that it was just kind of, kind of hang up in the air on purpose or on accident. Yeah. It's definitely slowed down. The frame rate is just a little bit slower on that section. So, so you get full uh, coverage of what it is. He's thrown up into the air. So this movie came before the video game, Mortal Kombat, obviously. Do you think mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat like ripped this off as one of their fatalities from this I movie? I think so. I mean, cause there's a, I can't remember who it is. It's Sub-Zero. one of the characters Sub-Zero. has some combo, I think in the first game where he yeah. she pulls the head off, including the spinal column. That's right. Still right there. I, I think it has to be. Yeah. I think whoever designed that game must've been a fan of this movie. Cause I mean, when I can't remember who it is either in Sub-Zero. Mortal Kombat, but when they lift that spinal cord up with the skull, it's pretty reminiscent of what the predator is doing right here. Yeah. So I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> I'm sure gonna, I, I think it's Sub-Zero. That's my guess. Because when I yeah, search, when I search nice. Mortal Kombat, Fatality, Spine Rip, yeah, there's all these images of Sub-Zero doing it and the different Oops. iterations of the game. Sub-Zero wins Fatality. Right. That sounds right. And this does come full circle, like talking about Mortal Kombat, because if I do remember correctly... The Predator makes an appearance in Mortal Kombat 10, I think. Predator wins fatality. Oh, nice. Yeah, he shows up. And then we I mentioned this a long time ago, like maybe minute five of Predator Minute. But Jax, the uh, soldier with the metal yes. arms in that yes. game mm-hmm. franchise, uh, he has one skin in that game, I think Mortal Kombat 10, where he has Dylan's like green baseball cap on chomping on a cigar and it's voiced by Carl Weathers when you put that skin on him. The hell's going on here? Ferritor, what you eyes? You'll get my foot in your ass. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I never played any of the later iterations of Mortal Kombat. I, I played the arcade version when I was a kid and I think the Sega Genesis version. Uh, but that's, that's badass. I know that in later versions of that game, they... And kind of incorporated those Easter eggs, which is really cool. Yeah, really cool. It like makes it more of a 
self-aware franchise in, right, in that regard, right. which I think is really cool. Yeah, um, spe- speaking of video games, I saw on my new my news feed uh, that the Predator video game that recently came out. It's called Predator yeah. Hunting Grounds. Hunting Grounds. Yeah, it's had a couple of DLCs come out lately or about to drop, uh, one of which is Arnold Schwarzenegger voicing these tapes that Dutch left behind, I guess, <laughs> in the jungle, I suppose, like detailing what he experienced and detailing his confrontation with the Predator. So I, I don't have that game. I don't really plan on having that game because I don't have a lot of time to video game these days, but it, I would be more than interested in, in hearing what those tapes said. And that might be like some YouTuber putting that online yeah. when that comes out and kind of putting those tapes together. Cause uh, canonically speaking, there's really been nothing of Dutch and what happens to him after this movie. There's like some mentions of him, but this is be the first time that Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back to actually reprise his role as dutch that's awesome yeah yeah i recently got a an xbox and so yes maybe i will throw down and get that game i've been kind of fiddling around with some other games that i have yeah i might have to dive into that one hmm. okay yeah let me know and let me know what you find out well have we done it i think we did it i think we set the trap i think uh, the predator is well on his way to a spiky or loggy doom <laughs> absolutely or crushed by a log yeah yeah well, what a way to go mm. Mm. uh so are we into recommends we are into recommends and i actually have a recommend this week oh that's good so yeah thanks it feels, feels good feels good i uh i need you to help me remember if i have recommended <laughs> this before it really think, doesn't matter I'm, i might be recommending something you recommended a long time ago i have two things that i pulled up and in my mind i'm afraid that i may have recommended both of them already okay. <laughs> but have i recommended the pure cinema podcast yes okay well i will just do a quick double recommend of that podcast <laughs> because lately they've been killing it with their episodes and their guests um They've gotten a bit of a higher profile recently. Uh, this is the podcast that is sponsored by the New Beverly Cinema in uh, LA, which is owned by Quentin Tarantino. Um, mm. And these two guys, uh, Elric Kane and Brian Sauer, are cinephiles to the max. They're really, really knowledgeable and fun to listen to. And they do some great work. And they've had some amazing guests as of recent. Um, just in the last couple months. They just dropped one yesterday where they have Patton Oswalt on, who's hilarious and also oh, a big file. Yeah. They've done two episodes with Quentin Tarantino. They did an episode with Edgar Wright. They did an episode with Ryan Johnson. Um, they did an interview with Michael Madsen. Um, and in between all of these amazing guests, they continue to put out their own shows where they are recommending movies um, and they are just so knowledgeable about different genres and just so many eras of movies that I don't know about that it's really fun to listen to them. So check out the Pure Cinema podcast if you're a movie nerd like the rest of us. Do they cover Predator? Uh, they don't really do a single movie. Okay. It's not sort of their, their setup. What, what they tend to do is like choose a genre. Like they'll... They did an episode recently that was like road movies. 
And so they'll each pick five films that fall into the category of road movies. And it's not necessarily supposed to be the five best films. It's just sort of like five films because like five interesting films that they choose in that category that say different things about that genre and they'll discuss them and uh their knowledge is very very deep and uh they do a really nice job of like discussing these different movies it always makes me want to check out all these movies they talk about so i'll re-recommend apparently the pure cinema podcast yeah go for it yeah what do you got for us this week uh wait did you say you had two of them oh yeah i did have i recommended the movie time crimes (laughs) i have haven't i (laughs) No, no, I don't think you have, but (laughs) I'm already intrigued. (laughs) Um, This is a great movie. So this is a movie from 2007. It is a... uh, How do you explain time crimes? It is a kind of a science fiction... It's a a time loop movie. It's a time travel movie is what it is. Time loop. There is a chance, one in a billion, that you and I could get caught in a time loop. It's a time, but it's, yeah, it's not so much time travel as sort of a time loop. A time loop. Um, it's a Spanish film uh, directed by Nacho Vigalondo, who you may know because he directed Colossal, the movie that came out a couple years ago that had Colossal had. Oh, uh, 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 is it not Natalie Portman? Is it Anne Hathaway? Anne Hathaway and Jason yeah. Tubakis. And it has like their their sort of marital or, or relationship troubles sort of translate to the two giant monsters that are battling uh, over Japan or whatever. Kind of a high concept, uh, strange movie, but a lot of people really liked it. But he made a much smaller movie called Time Crimes a couple years before. And it's just a really cool little sort of indie flick. It's only like 85 minutes and I can't talk too much about it, but it's a, uh, about a guy who lives in Spain uh, on a house that's kind of near the woods. Some events happen that take him out of the house. He walks up the hill to find sort of like a, a little science observatory outpost and then weird time travel loop starts stuff starts to happen and it's one of these movies that like seems confusing for a while in the minute and then things like start clicking into place in a really satisfying way there's my second recommend time nice yeah and if you have a shutter subscription i believe it's still on shutter so check it out is it a is it a horror movie no but shutter every once in a while will just get like some sci-fi stuff and just random like genre stuff and so time crimes is on there because it's kind of a it's horror adjacent it's kind of a sci-fi-ish okay yeah awesome yeah so there you go crimes time crimes it's really cool yeah i anyone who will listen to me when the subject of like time travel movies or like sci-fi movies of the last 20 years comes up i always bring up time crimes because not a lot of people have seen it and it's really cool solid recommend nice Yeah. A time loop. So this might be a recommend you put out there a long hmm. time ago. I'm not really sure, but uh, Sarah and I started watching uh, the show Barry with Bill Hader. Hmm. You might have recommended that. I don't know. I didn't recommend it. I've, I've watched a few episodes, and for whatever reason, I never got back into it, but I've been wanting to. So it's like sitting there on my watch list, you know. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's one we just started watching it's been on our radar forever just because we're such huge bill Hader fans Uh, and here with the quarantine we we needed a a new show we were watching the gilmore girls and then like the final episode of the sixth season was like 
sorry, spoiler alert for Gilmore Girls fans, but <laughs> that show is such a letdown. That episode was, we, we really haven't gone back. We still have like 20 plus episodes of that last season to watch. And I don't know when we're going back. Maybe, maybe oh, after a couple really months, we like turned you yeah. off, huh? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that with the show where you just have, you just like, I have to put this down now because it's kind of spoiled right now. Mm, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, but we did pick up Barry, like I said, uh, big Bill Hader fan since his SNL days when we've watched movies with him in it uh, but uh, Barry just I don't want to give too much away uh, so I'll just give you like the IMDB summary it's a hitman from the Midwest moves to Los Angeles and gets caught up in the city's theater arts scene that's all I'll say about the show it's it's worth a check out I thought it was just HBO exclusive but I guess Amazon Prime sometimes puts HBO uh, sometimes push yeah. HBO stuff and so we found Amazon Prime for what free I don't know what you call it free but it was right. available on the Prime video without having to rent it or buy it nice we started watching it blew through what four episodes each episode's about half an hour uh, it's all created by Bill Hader and this other guy Alec I don't want to just guess it's all created by Bill Hader and Alec Berg It's you can tell it's a real passion project because they do all the writing and producing and Bill Hader is obviously the star and he's just a knockout at playing this role of this stone cold hmm. assassin who's trying to adapt to a, a life of like being in LA and, and kind of trying out acting it's it's pretty good stuff makes for high comedy but there's also some suspense and plenty of drama speaking of bill Hader, have you seen the movie he made with Kristen wig called the skeleton twins uh, i think sarah watched that and liked that i never watched it it's pretty good i i okay. really liked it kind of a little indie comedy drama um but he's really really good in it if you like bill Hader, like he really kind of like shows his acting chops in it i, I remember you and i listened to his episode of Conan, Conan O'Brien needs a friend on the oh, way yeah. to Portland. Oh, that was, <laughs> oh, that was so funny. That's just the telephone bit, like <laughs> new phone. Who this? <laughs> the first. Oh, oh, so funny. Have you been keeping up with Conan? Uh, I haven't, but I've seen him have a lot of good guests on. I saved yeah. the Jim Gaffigan episode because I'm such a huge Jim Gaffigan fan and. Jim Gaffigan Me too. Me too. was like a big time buddy of Conan O'Brien before he was huge and so yeah. popular now. It's good. It's uh, worth watching because <laughs> Gaffigan just keeps on shitting on Conan the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. That's good because because I've because watching Gaffigan now, like he definitely like plays it a lot safer than he used to, and he has like, uh-huh. like a whole family kind of brand deal going. Right, but right. Like they put out these quarantine dinner episodes on YouTube, uh, so I, I wondered if it was like going to be, you know, the the good funny Jim Gaffigan or kind of like more serious. But that's good to know. Yeah, no, it's uh, they kind of go back and forth between both, but he is not afraid to give Conan shit and <laughs> make fun of him on the podcast, and it's really great. <laughs> so wait till you have a good chunk of time to like really listen to it and then treat yourself to it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool, man. All right. Well, I think that's it for the recommends. There so, it is. We yeah, did it. There it is. Thought you knew. So, Jeff, where can people find you? Well, I'm on the Twitter sphere. Jeff Glover, Carl underscore Hungus 314. My name is Carl. You should be an expert. Come find me there. All righty. And you can find Predator Minute at Predator Minute. 
on the Twitter sphere. You can email the show, predatorminute at gmail.com, and keep up the conversation. Join the Facebook group Predator Minute Listeners Palapa. We've had some good posts lately. We are yeah. talking about uh, aha moments in Minute 81, and we have some uh, people contributing to that. We have a post from Joseph Parker talking about a few moments. We have Eric Deutsch. You set us up. It's all bullshit. Funnily enough, both of them mentioned Spider-Man aha moments from different Spider-Man movies. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love the yeah. uh, the contributions. It's been great. Keep it up, everyone. Yeah, keep it up and yeah, let us know what you think is the purpose of this trap. How is it going to work? I even put the question up as we were recording mm. today. How is Dutch's trap supposed to work? Jeff and I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> but if you know, if you're such a smarty pants, you built such a trap in your own personal experience, like one, that's awesome. Send us the video. And two, tell us how it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, and three, what do you name it? <laughs> it's taking care of business. That's taken. That's taken. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so for Predator Minute 83, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. That music should have been playing when he's building the trap, right? It would have been so right. cool. Oh, seriously. Uh, missed opportunity. I, mean, I, missed, I meant to mention that like early on in this minute, but that's like Dutch and the team's music. And I think the last time we heard it was when they're blowing away the gorilla camp. Oh, wow. It's been that long, and long I don't time. think we hear it. Yeah, a long time. And I don't think we hear it again until like the credits are rolling. I think mm. that's how far it goes. So, mm. Super bum there. Missed opportunity. Well, what can you do? It's you know already a perfect movie. It's not going to be more perfect. <laughs> can't be more perfect. Yeah. Totally perfect. It can't be any more perfect. <laughs> can't pull over any further. 